You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. Sometimes people, they got to go run into the world. Well, the world has so many beautiful things. And then you go do it and you realize it's an empty shell. Go talk to someone that already did it and don't waste your life doing that. I mean, the advantage of having people that really, really blew it in church is you can go talk to them. They say, I did that. And then you're like, yeah, 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 the older people don't understand me. Oh, yes, they do. And what you forget is you've never been older, but they have been younger. How many mistakes could young people avoid just by learning from the experience of older generations? You know they say that when history is forgotten or ignored, that it's destined to repeat itself? The same is true even for one generation to the next. In today's message, Pastor Tom teaches us that today is the day to repent. The sooner we do, the better off we'll be. Are you willing to learn from those that have gone before you that it's not worth it to run from God? The sooner you turn to Him, the better off you'll be. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he continues his message. Yes, I'm trying to convert you. Our Lord offers nothing to unrepentant sinners. Just look at Matthew 9:13, Mark 2:17 or Luke 5:32. That's why the related Hebrew term we're dealing with Greek in the New Testament, the related Hebrew term in the Old Testament is shuv. S U B V if you're trying to figure out what I said, shuv. The evangelical dictionary of theology defines that Hebrew term this way. It means to turn back, to turn away from, or turn toward in the religious sense. The Septuagint, that's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Septuagint consistently translates shuv with the terms epistrepho and apostrepho, which mean to turn and return. Repentance follows a turning about, which itself is a gift of God, end quote. The Old Testament prophets, many of you like to read through your Bible, you're reading through sections of the Old Testament and you're wondering how does any of that connect with what we're talking about in the book of Acts. Well, book of Acts, they're Jews to begin with, all the church is Jewish. They understood this concept of turning, of repentance, of change, because it was all over their scriptures. I'll give you some samples. In 2 Kings 17 and 13, it says this, the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and every seer saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you through my servants, the prophets. He spoke to the Israelites through the prophets. He called the prophets my servants. He said, I'm going to speak to you. And what did the prophets keep saying to the people? Every generation kind of heard the same thing. Turn from your sinful ways. Turn from your independence. Come back to your God. There was no real faith if they didn't turn back and away from their sinful practices. Some people want to say they believe in Jesus, but hang on to their sinful way of life. Well, it's clear you can't do that. You'll have to make a choice. Either you love your sin, keep your sin, and burn in hell, or you can let go of your sin and have the joys of Christ in this life and for eternity. It's really not much of a choice if you think about it. Your sins are only pleasurable for a little period of time. Holy people are happier people. They are. Satan's lie says, but holiness and obedience, that's what I have to do, but it's not all that much fun. You're wrong. Your mind is too corrupted by the way the world thinks, which has the devil behind it. 
Another sample, Ezekiel 33, 11. This is God talking to Ezekiel. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. But where does it say to believe? That's it. If you believe, you turn from your way and live. Then it goes on. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die? O house of Israel. Why do you choose death? Turn back. Malachi 3, 7, last book of the Old Testament. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Joel 2, 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and mourning. Do you see the conviction of sin in that? And God will return to him. That turning to the Lord is a call to repentant faith, and it has everything to do with conversion. It is turning back to God, turning back to God's ways, turning back to God's will, saying no to you and yes to Christ. Psychology says, you know, you want to affirm yourself. Christ says you deny yourself. You deny yourself. You have false teachers out there, even in the so-called social sciences. Now, again, can you see why preaching repentance and requiring repentance is crucial? This pertains to you. In some way, this pertains to you. Repentance is crucial for evangelism and missions work. How do you know when you're out there doing evangelism and missions work that someone has properly responded to the message about Jesus? The answer is they will repent from their sins and they will turn wholeheartedly to follow Christ. Efforts in evangelism need to see the right product. People want so badly for other people to believe, and they want so badly in some cases to prove that their church is being effective. Then they count anybody's response to Jesus in any kind of a way as a true response. That is not good. That puts into their minds and their hearts some kind of false assurance. I must be okay. The leaders of the church say I'm okay. What did they do? Well, they just walked an aisle and said they believed. But where did they repent from sin? Where's the turning of their life? I guess time will tell. Repentance is crucial when you talk to your friend and you've been praying for him and you see a little bit of a interest in spiritual things and you think maybe he's converted. No, not until he repents from sin. You say that's hard. Yes, that's hard. Counseling work. You're a counselor. You're working with someone. You're a small group leader, and you're trying to figure out, is this person I'm working with repentance or not? But if they're not dealing with their sin, if they're not humbling their heart, if they're not talking about the things that they have done that are wrong, then why are they coming to counseling? So the other person can change? So they can feel comfortable? Oh, I'm going to counseling. Counseling doesn't help anything. Then what the counselor basically is going to say, trust in God and repent of your sins. You can pay me ahead of time for that, by the way, if you want to, because that's what I'm going to tell you. No, sometimes it's very complicated in terms of the outward working of it, and there's a lot to work through. But the truth is, if you humble your heart, trust God, repent of your sins, God will work in your life. It honestly is that simple. And so um, each of us needs to look to ourselves as well. By the way, this is important for parents. 
you're dealing with your children, did they repent? Well, they're crying. I know, but kids can cry because they got caught. I would have thought for sure there's some mommy out there somewhere that understands this very much. They can cry because they're not getting what they want or they displeased mommy or daddy, but they're not really repenting of the thing that you're trying to teach them. You need to work towards repentance in their heart. Why am I not seeing change? Because they haven't repented. Well, how do I make them repent? You can't. Trust me, if there was a button to make people repent, I would have pushed it a long time ago. But you can pray for them, and you cannot be caught up, and that's not really the right response. There is regretting. Judas regretted. He killed himself. He regretted his life so much, he killed himself. Peter sorrowed and repented. He turned. You're going to change. You have to turn. You have to have repentance. You can't just keep coming to counseling or keep sharing your difficulties. Let me just share you the difficulties I'm having. That person's been listening to you and that person's been listening to you and they've been kind to you. When are you going to change? God's waiting for your repentance. My prayers are not working because you're not repenting. This isn't rocket science. It's just hard to do. Say, why is it so hard? Because we're stubborn and proud. That's really the source of our problems. And each of you, you need to know, are you genuinely saved? We obviously make mistakes, but do you know in your heart you're genuinely converted? Have you repented? Or are you still living life for yourself? Only you and God know the answer to that. It, there's no shame if you've been here 5, 10, 15 years and you realize, I'm not converted. And then now you realize that and now you want to get saved. There's no shame in that. The shame is to die and go to hell. That's the shame. What do you think we're going to do? With you, if all of a sudden you say, you know what, I realize I'm not converted. You think we're going to parade you around here like this person wasn't converted. We're all humbled by our sin here. Yeah, but you don't know what I did, pastor. No, I don't. And I don't care. God doesn't care. Christ died on the cross for all sins. The only thing that's going to send you ultimately to hell is if you don't repent. This is what Peter is requiring. I know I haven't gotten far, but we got to stay here. This is what the church has always required. It's the first word of the gospel. Turn. Turn from your wicked ways. Change your thinking. Redirect your whole life. We really are sinners in the hands of an angry God. Back to John MacArthur's book, he says, I am deeply concerned as I watch what is happening in the church today. Biblical Christianity has lost its voice. I'm tempted to stop there and talk about why Hope Bible Church. Biblical Christianity has lost its voice. We need a louder voice. We need to use every means available to us to get the word out and to build other churches like this. Anyways, going on with a quote. The church is preaching a gospel designed to soothe rather than confront sinful individuals. Churches have turned to amusement and show business to try to win the world. By the way, that works. If the church wants to become more like the world, they will grow. Those methods may seem to draw crowds for a season, but they're not God's methods, and therefore they are destined to fail. In the meantime, the church is being infiltrated and corrupted by professing believers who never repented, never turned from sin and therefore never really embraced Christ as Lord or Savior. 
another lesser-known guy named Lockyer in his book, All the Doctrines of the Bible. I want to read this to you. It's a little bit long. We live in a superficial age. Now, he wrote this 50 years ago. I'm like, what do we live in now? (laughs) I don't have a word for it. Super superficial. We live in a superficial age, and nowhere is superficiality more evident than in the religious realm. Generally, people do not want their conscience disturbed, so the message of repentance is seldom preached. This generation, with all its religion, has lost the sense of sin and pays preachers to prophesy smooth things. Repentance is robbed of its true significance. The plow of conviction is never driven deep into the human soul. So-called revivals and evangelistic efforts produce shallow results because of the shallow repentance preached. Deep mourning for sin, hot, scalding tears of repentance, souls living in agony because of their burden are not common as they used to be. Saved and unsaved alike are not overawed by the august holiness of God and the filthiness of their own evil nature. The sob of anguish, woe is me for I am undone, is seldom heard in a religious service today. And then he goes on, however, wherever true repentance is preached and insisted upon, solid results accrue. Those saved under such preaching usually make robust Christians, end quote. This is what we're laboring for. I like that. Robust Christians, not Christians who make excuses. It's their fault. It's their fault. Always somebody else's fault. How about for once it being your fault? How about the pastor not having to tell you that for once? You know what? What about your heart? Let's consider your heart for a minute. No, but so-and-so. I don't want to hear about so-and-so. I want to hear what's going on in you. Who are you loving? Who are you caring for? What are you repenting of? Are you jealous in your heart? Are you disappointed with God? He didn't do something different in your life. Come on, let's get this out. What's going on in that heart and that mind of yours? Because if you bring all that stuff out, let the light shine on it, you know what's going to happen to it? It's going to evaporate. It's going to go. It has no substance. It's not real. This stuff that's thrown in there to make yourself feel good because it's very easy, by the way, to point out that there's sinners in church. It's a very easy thing. But there's sinners in the church. They didn't treat me. Well, what do sinners do? They don't treat other people all that well sometimes. That's what they do. So now you know. Everyone's admitted it. So somebody treated you poorly. Too bad. It's too bad. You got to get over it. What about you? What about your own heart? This is what we're working for. This, some other very enlightening verses on repentance, just to drive this a little deeper into you. Acts 14, 15, Paul's talking to idol worshipers. You should turn from these vain things to a living God. Now, he knew if they kept going in that direction, their service to these other gods would be vain. Vain means empty. It would hurt them. When you tell somebody, take your medicine, you're not being mean. You're helping them, right? So when he shows up and finds a bunch of idol worshipers and says, turn from these things, he's not ruining their life. He's helping their life. What are the vain things you worship? 
I know it doesn't necessarily have to be made out of stone, but you're worshiping it. It's vain. It's hurting your life. It's slowing you down. It's robbing you of joy. It's making you not so fruitful. It's making you miss the energy of a relationship with God. Turn from it. There's nothing to hang on to there. Prodigal son had to go through this, right? Give me my money, dad. I'm gone. He had to go blow it all. He had to try it. I'm going to try it all. We're going to do this sin and that sin and spend the money here and get these friends and whoop it up. Some of you are younger and you're like that. You're like, I haven't had a chance in life to whoop it up yet. So go read the prodigal son. He ended up eating out of a pig trough. And then he's eating that stuff, or at least he's considering it. And he says, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm going to go back to my daddy's generous. He remembered the generosity of his father. He remembered the love of his father. Sometimes people, they got to go run into the world. Well, the world has so many beautiful things. And then you go do it and you realize it's an empty shell. Go talk to someone that already did it and don't waste your life doing that. I mean, the advantage of having people that really, really blew it in church is you can go talk to them. And say, I did that. And then you're like, yeah, 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 the older people don't understand me. Oh, yes, they do. And what you forget is you've never been older, but they have been younger. <laughs> so, yeah, they understand. They may be not so sensitive about things because they realize you're a rascal and you're foolish and I'm going to give this thing to you straight. That doesn't mean you should talk to the young people that way. I'm just saying, if it slips out, it's because they've already done that. The world is only fun for a while. Then it rams a sword through your heart. So another verse, Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What does that mean? I thought he's always near. He's omnipresent. Yeah, but he comes to you, to your mind and your heart, to woo you, to draw you, only at certain times. If you resist his work, it makes it harder the next time, not easier. Well, I'll delay and I'll get serious with God when I'm, you know, as old as Pastor Leek. Might be too late by then. You don't know how these things work. Let the wicked forsake his way, same verse, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Oh, you have to repent of your thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And the Lord, what we so used to, I like to sometimes read different things into a Bible verse of how it could be, like when a kid realizes they were wrong and they come back and the dad or the mom says something like, I told you so, I told you so, didn't I tell you so? You act like that, that's what happens. And they have to boost up their parental pride a little. But the Lord doesn't chide his children. It says he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon, copious pardon. How about Proverbs 3, 7? Do not be wise in your own eyes. You know what that is. You look yourself in the mirror and go like, I think I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I've had a little practice, by the way, yes. I think I've learned a few things here. Yeah. I don't need so-and-so to teach me. Uh, yeah, parents are always telling me. That's wise in your own eyes. You say, but you don't know my parents Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And here it is again. Turn 
away from evil. Why does God require repentance? Why? I really am spending the whole time on repentance. I just realized God wants repentance because he wants his truth in your innermost being. There's one thing that Jesus hated the most when he was traveling from town to town, and he spoke against the most. Check it out for yourself. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The thing he hated the most, the thing he spoke against the most, it was religious hypocrisy. It was the religious leaders who really did not practice what they preached. He hates it. By the way, that's what Satan is. Satan is a very religious being. He just wants the worship to come to himself. Very religious. Satan works in religion very powerfully. He likes religion. He's going to set up worship in the end times so that he is worshipped. He kind of mimics what God does. He's a very religious being. And uh, he likes religion. But God hates an outward show of religion. If you don't believe me, take some time this week and read through Isaiah 1. And you'll see the Jews are bringing and celebrating their feasts. They're coming and having gatherings like this. And it's like God saying, I'm covering my ears. I'm turning my eyes away from you. Please bring it no more. It disgusts me. Religious people who have an outward show of following God, but truth is not in the innermost being. If you're from a Catholic background, you heard of a thing called penance. Penance actually started out with teaching about repentance. But just like with any tradition that changes over time, it became an outward show for many Catholics. Well, if you do wrong, you do some penance. You do this act. You withdraw yourself from this. You don't allow this. And you kind of humble yourself and you do these things as if the outward thing impresses God. But what do we know about God from Samuel? He learned this from God, right? God doesn't look as man looks. Man looks on the outside. and We say, oh, what a nice suit you're wearing this morning. What a nice hairdo you have. God doesn't look at that. He looks where? The heart. So he wants truth in at the heart level, the mind, the thinking, your motivations, your will, the things you're trying to do in life, your innermost person, your soul, your spirit, that person on the inside. That's what God wants. He doesn't want outward show. He hates outward show. He hates it. He hates it more than anything else. That's why he said the prostitutes and the tax collectors will get into the kingdom of heaven before the Bible teachers of his day. Pharisees. Pointing out the consequence of conversion, Charles Spurgeon preached this. Another proof of the conquest of a soul for Christ will be found in a real change of life. If the man does not live differently from what he did before, both at home and abroad, his repentance needs to be repented of and his conversion is a fiction. Not only action and language, but spirit and temper must be changed. And then he goes on, abiding under the power of any known sin is a mark of our being the servants of sin. Have you truly repented? You can do that today. Did you notice I'm not yelling at you today too much? You can repent. It's between you and God. 
If you're out evangelizing, make sure you press for repentance. Be the unpopular person. And don't feel you're doing something ignoble because you're trying to convert somebody else. Don't let them get into your head. You have good news. How blessed on the mountains are the feet of him who what? Brings good news. That's you. That's your feet and that's your mouth. Wow. Did you catch what Pastor Tom quoted there from Spurgeon? He said, if the man does not live differently from what he did before, both at home and abroad, his repentance needs to be repented of. In Christendom today, we see a false type of conversion that offers no real change. True conversion always has true repentance. That is, when we repent, we turn from our old way and make God's way our own. We're blessed to be able to share the good news of the gospel with our listeners through the ministry of Discover Hope. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus yet, or if you have more questions, we invite you to visit the What Does It Mean to Be a Christian page under the About Us at HopeBible.org. This will provide you with a concise description of why you need Jesus in your life and how you can be free from sin. We'd like to speak and pray with you too, so please give us a call at 443-200-HOPE. Again, that's 443 443- 200 hope when it comes to sharing the gospel message oftentimes we become shy and apologetic we can tend to cower to the message of the world that tells us to keep our truth to ourselves next time on discover hope join us as pastor tom gives us further encouragement to not only continue sharing the gospel but to do it boldly and unapologetically the world desperately needs to hear the message of christ thanks for tuning in today for discover hope If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Tom, visit HopeBibleChurch.org. There's much more to learn from the book of Acts, so we hope you'll join us again right here on Discover Hope.